Hello, welcome back to another episode of the DP World Tour Picks and Bets, start of the 2021-2022 season, formerly known as our European Tour Show, but two of us are the same. Tom Jacobs, what's going on? Yeah, I mean, look, we don't change. Unfortunately, with the new tour, does not come new faces. This is what I bring to the show every week. Um, for people listening audio, you're uh, you're the lucky winners, right? You don't have to look at this. So, uh, um, you know, I think last week was tough, right, Sky? For me, personally, um, you know, just being so wrong on Burnt Beesberg, it was tough. Uh, did shoot a 963 on Sunday, which kind of validates maybe what we thought he could have done. I think that's, um, I'm going to stop you. I think that. It's the funniest thing about golf because two weeks ago, the consensus pick across the industry was Joaquin, you know, be handsome. Like it was without a doubt, everyone was on him. Basically you and I, the rest of the world, we all cast tickets. Every single person was on Vern Reesberger and he was miserable for 54 holes. And he, honestly, he could have shot like a 58 on Sunday without a problem. Like he was nine under with two missed birdies and a water ball. I think on 18 wild. It's just, it's just what we get, isn't it? And, uh, you know, I was hoping for a bit of good juju again with uh, Luke List on the PJ Tour. Wasn't to be. Um, but look, this is, a, this is a DP World Tour show. So the European Tour is a thing of the past. The PJ Tour is not even relevant. And this is the real DP World. This is it, right? You know, this is what we live for. Three weeks in South Africa where nobody knows the field. Uh, all day, people have been tweeting saying they've got nothing to bet on this, you know, bet on this week. Nothing to talk about. And here we are. This is where we uh, we make our edge. Yeah. Oh, I couldn't agree more. I'm very excited for what's ahead. Um, obviously, congratulations to Kyle Morikawa. You had uh, quite the weekend on Twitter um, going off on him being the champion. Regardless, amazing golf by him. Does there need to be a recalculation of some sorts to reward our guys that are grinding on the tour, you know, 20 plus events a year? Would love that. Um, I guess I'll give you 20 seconds, Tom. Lay it all out. He probably shouldn't have been allowed to win that. Uh, he should have been in the field because the, the two big performances that he had, well, the two wins in WGC and the Open were enough to get him in the field. Shouldn't have been able to win. Uh, great golfer, great win. Uh, shouldn't have won the bonus ball. Yeah, okay, that's fair. I almost thought about going too because it looked like it was Rory's chance to win. I thought about going nipples out on our show. Um, just for his his appearance after a little frustrating finish to his round, man, oh man, um, yeah, complete control over what it seemed like, you know, three days, and then that back nine was, in some sense, the Rory we've seen at times. But I thought the Rory we were over um, as we approached the end of the year. Um, but no, let's uh, let's really get into, I think, again, a super exciting three weeks ahead for us. Furious at DraftKings for. Only only giving us 10k to first uh, for this event because we have nothing on the PGA Tour, we have nothing on the LPGA Tour, nothing on the Champions Tour. This is our golf for the world this week when it comes to daily fantasy sports. Um, so unfortunately, they only um, doubled the contest size but did not double the top prize. So salaries aren't out yet. We'll kind of go through a, probably a laundry list of guys we're interested in. I'm going to be pounding their doors to keep them growing for the next two weeks. They already have a hundred K up for the, the hero challenge, which is, you know, just right. Yeah. It's yeah. Like 18 person field, like have fun, um, you know, playing that. This is where hopefully we see, you know, some big contests, at least for the last week of this swing. Um, but let's break it down. Joe Berg open. Um, we see this event every single year um 
but it used to be the one, correct me, Tom, it used to be like 250 person field where yeah. they'd alternate the, the courses. This one should just be at the uh, Firethorn course right. from what I've seen for this week. So we're just going to be, you know, 142 person field. Uh, it's Rand Park Golf Club is the name of it, but we're just going to be at that specific course. Um, can play up to about 7,500 yards from what um, you know it has in the past. But from your take on the course, what were you looking at this week? So it's a little bit, uh, it's necessarily altitude, but it does fly further. So it's 7,500 a card, but it plays a lot shorter than that. Um, it's been used, as you say, for this event last year, just the Firethorn course. It was used in 2018 for the South Africa Open. And it was used in 2000, which I can't remember if that was for the South Africa Open with Joburg, but that's how long ago we're looking at. And obviously 2000 is going to be a relevance this week. So the 2018 South African Open and 2020 Joburg is what we need to look at. Um, pretty tight, you know, rough Kuya grass. Uh, you'll hear a lot of that on the broadcast as we do when we're at the, uh, the Genesis on the PGA Tour. You get sick of it after a while. Um, but look, this is where JB Hansen obviously broke through last year. You know, we've been talking about him for the last couple of weeks. This is where he won his title uh, instead of Wilco Nineaber, who was in the running. Um, but those two are kind of you know, the epitome of what we're going to be looking for here, right? You know, there's polar opposites, but as long as you ball strike well, then you can get it going. And JB Hansen probably has never been as solid as he was. I guess he was when he won in Dubai, but he was so solid that Sunday coming down the stretch for his maiden victory. And uh, Yeah, Wilco yeah, kind of handed him. I'm trying to yeah. think, right? Wilco on that back nine, I think, uh, had a couple uh, penalties, just didn't end up shaking out. He should have broke through uh, for his win. But, yeah, I think you're very spot on having two different profiles completely. Um, so we're not really sure what the recipe for success um, might be here. Now, why we've mentioned these fields are, are so interesting is, you know, we're in South Africa, which often means we get a good amount of sunshine tour players in this field. So we have that. In addition to having the challenge tour graduates that are now getting status on the field there. And of course, then you have some of the invitations, which you get a good amount of also players from the area, the national spots. You know, it is um, a very full field of guys that we normally aren't speculating on. And in addition to that, often at way different odds than what we've seen. Um, I think the biggest thing that caught my eye this morning is, is that 365 opened who I deemed one of the top five players in this field, Matty Schmid at a hundred to one stateside. He's, he's 35 to one here, you know, so I, I can't even have this conversation about him on our betting cards, but we were tweeting this morning just regarding to that being a four times too long price for Matty Schmid. Um, I'm guessing that's been absolutely slashed all the way everywhere too, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I tried to put a bet on it. Uh, by the time I got through to actually logging into my account, because I'd forgotten my password, it was 70 to 1. By the time I'd gone to deposit the money needed to make the bet, it was 50 to 1. Uh, and then I'd lost interest because, you know, 50 to 1 was kind of right. You know, where I am with the, with the picks I've made this week, I prefer all of them to Matthew Schmidt. But when he was twice the price of some of the people I was looking at, uh, you know, he should have been picked. It was completely a price play. Um, could he do well here? But yeah, of course, you know, he's not someone that's played a lot in South Africa, so we have no idea uh, whether he would be good or not. I don't know if he's actually even played here as an amateur much, but he, um, you know, talent will just take over eventually. So absolutely expect him to go well. Uh, like you say, a lot of the Challenge Tour guys to look out for this week as well. But it's interesting what you say about the Sunshine Tour. So 
this time last year, there was a player called Yak Blau or Yaks Blau uh, that I picked. And he was like 110 to 1, I think he was. And he'd been finished second, fourth, and sixth in the three Sunshine Tour events leading into into this week. And I was like, it just make, it doesn't make any sense because what they're doing is they're pricing as if he can't make a step up to European Tour event. But there was kind of like three or four guys on top of what would normally be there. So for me, if you see a guy with, with a Sunshine Tour form, which I'm sure you're going to come to later on, I think you should be pretty confident they can at least, you know, challenge. Because I think even last year, there was like seven or eight guys in the top 10 that were South Africans, and, and they weren't all the best players in the world. Yeah, I, I you look at the top of the leaderboard, I think it just uh, gets us into there, or top of the odds board. You know, Dean Burmese is the clear favorite, eight to one. We we haven't seen Dean at those odds ever, you know, since we're doing this show. Um, he has been great winning their tour championship. Talk about players probably not being able to win their tour championships. Dean Burmeister probably shouldn't have been playing in the <laughs> Sunshine PGA Championship, but um, you know he he uh, blitzed that on Sunday. Eight to one for him, good form. Played well uh, also just this past week. Dylan Fratelli is teeing it up. Substantial difference all the way as available eighteen to one, which I thought's intriguing because I I think he's still probably the class quote unquote of uh, basically experience and PGA Tour playing. He's there. Johannes Veerman, Romain Langoske, and then Wilco Ninabur would be those other ones rounding out um, 25 below, 25 to 1 and under. Anybody up there catch your eye? Not really. I mean, like you say, I think, you know, Dylan Fratelli is probably expected to be a class above, right? You know, he's got that kind of game now where he's put a lot of distance in, um, looking more down the kind of Bryson route, if you like. Maybe more like Wilco Ninabur, who's up there as well. Um I didn't need to go there. I mean, someone mentioned Matthew Jordan to me earlier at the weekend, and I just said he'd be too short to worry about. So that was correct. Um, no, not for me. I think that they're all, you know, respected, and any one of them can win, including Dean Burmese stuff. But um, yeah, I, I've looked in different directions. Yeah, I, I not to say I'm, I'm going to challenge myself to be better and just not rule these guys out. But in these type of fields, I think we're just getting really, really good players and really, really good forms at deeper odds because they haven't had this competition that a lot of these guys had. Now, that's to be said, I probably play a lot of Romain Lingas in Daily Fantasy because he has been the best ball striker of the bunch recently, um, in my opinion. But realistically, I, I'm waiting until we get into the 40s to start my card. I mean, you see some of these South African guys that have been around the block, you know, George Katsia, Sean North, Brandon Stone, Justin Harding, all kind of in this same mid-tier area, uh, but it's these young guns, Tom. We're a sucker for these guys. So, so tell us who's leading off your card. Yeah, I mean, look, this is the guy that we spoke about an awful lot last year. Uh, I think he might be another one like Matthew Schmidt that may have uh, dropped the thing out of his name. It used to be Jaden Treyscaper or Shaper, and now it just seems to be Jaden Shaper. Um, maybe that's because he's a really good golfer now, and no one needs to uh, needs to put Jay in there, uh, Trey in there, but. Uh, Look, he is, he's excellent, right? You know, we, we spoke about him a lot earlier in the year. And and this is going to be somewhere he's probably going to break through at some point. You know, he hasn't actually won as far as I know on the professional tour. Um, you know, he's only just turned pro, so it's not too much of a surprise. But uh, eight starts since August on the Sunshine Tour. He's got a second, a fifth, and three top nines and a twelfth against two missed cuts. Uh, you know, tied 18th here last year. Another year removed from that, uh, so much more experience. I just think he's got an excellent chance of breaking through. We saw it with nine over last year. 
could he be a bit suspect down the uh, down the stretch like nine ever was? Absolutely. Like let's not rule that out. That's probably why he's forty to one as opposed to twenty five to one. Um, but the absolute talent and the upside of the pick is uh, is absolutely up there at the top of the board. And he's been there. He was in that final group last year at the South Africa or at the Alfred Dunhill Championship. Shot a seventy five on Sunday. I mean him and uh, Moronk, I think it was, were both right there and probably should have broken through. They end up, you know, completely playing terrible. Well, but Zayden, who has the class, wins by four. Uh, but, you know, he's put himself in that position. Young kid, excellent statistical form, too. He's a very good ball striker. If you want to – if you could literally do one thing and say, hey, these golfers have talent and they're going to go somewhere, Niall Horan is the best – like, I, who does the evaluating? for modest golf. Like, I really want to know that because they have, I mean, of course they have Guido, but they have all these kids, like even on the ladies' side, they have Pia Babnik. They picked her up, you know, 17 year old who's, who's won twice on, on the ladies European tour. You know, they have these kids that are all grooming up. So their talent evaluator, we need to find that out. Get them on Lost for Words, Tom. That's a yeah, good cool. right there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I did, ironically, I did speak to, to a guy that actually runs it with Nahor and, um, and and he he was going to come on at one point, uh, but I, I think a lot of it is is I don't know if it's financial muscle or just allure, right? You know, let, let's go and sign up with Noel Hora's management company. They they probably all go to the same amateur tournaments. They probably all see the same guys, and uh, not to discredit them, they're doing a fantastic job. But you know, they've got the likes of Cyril Hassan in the stable. They've got Guido as people they can look to as people that have made the jump very early in the European tour. Um, and, and they've got something to look forward to. So, uh, yeah, I think, like you say, it's, it's a pretty good sign that you're a good golfer if you're part of their stable at the moment. Yes, absolutely. Um, so, no, I'm completely on board with you there. Um, you know, 40s is the best I saw um, stateside. But if we're staying on our young guns, if we're staying on the, the Challenge Tour Player of the Year, and what's so funny is I'm sitting here staring at you, and I'm very nervous to pronounce the name because I listened to it correctly Easy. just before, and, and it's completely out of my head now. <laughs> like, I, I don't know how to say it anymore. Um, but Marcus Helikadi, no, that's, that's how it goes. Yeah, We've had success with the pronunciation of it that way. Tom, can you step in and say it how we now know how it goes? I can't because what I did when you said I've got it, it's easy. I closed the tab down. You asked me to look for the pronunciation. I found it. You said, "Nope, got it, really easy." Uh, it's Helicold or something like that, isn't it? Right? Yeah. He, he's whatever his name is. Right? He is a fantastic golfer. And let's get you back on track as to as to why you selected him. I mean, three-time Challenge Tour winner this year is at a different status level from those that are also competing. You know, he's going to get into these events. He is, in my opinion, from a statistical like form, if you are going to field weight it for what it's been, you know, of course he is playing in the challenge tour events. It's not the same. However, I mean, last 15 weeks, I dare say he's still a top two, three player in this field from a form perspective. We've seen him also do it in these European tour events. That's what, you know, at least gave me the confidence to say, okay, you know, this isn't the first step for this guy. You know, he, he's been there. What, he finished 12th the last time we saw him on the European Tour, 25th um, in his other event. So, you know, he's had at least a little bit of a showcase 
on the European tour. So I think, you know, that's at least a very solid number. He's right there with Matty Schmidt in my head. Um, and I think, you know, you can tell more points going with, with Marcus. Uh, the three guys at the top of well, so the form guide that I use, they have an adjusted score, which I think is basically, as they've explained to me, it's to take a baseline of, of all of all the events and they adjust for field strength in terms of par. Uh, Dean Burmeester's actual score over the last 15 weeks is 69.29. His adjusted score for difficulty is 70.16. Halikadil, or whatever his name is, 68.92, 70.42, and he's in second. And then just behind them is Matthias Schmid, uh, with very similar numbers. So those top three guys are, are pretty clear of the others. Um, he's been brilliant, right? You know, he's got two wins. I, I said to you before that as soon as he comes out, you're going to want to bet him. You've obviously picked up on him. I haven't this week just because I've found some other guys that I like, but there is nothing. I don't have a downside to him. If people again are going to say, can he make a step up to the European tour? He's some of the events that he's won are probably better than this, like in terms of yeah, the challenge tour final is is yeah, you know, as good as this event, absolutely. And when we look at Dean Burmester, and I know he's had those finishes, and I've bet him twice recently, so I'm not going to try and discount Dean Burmester, but he's won the Sunshine Tour event at the Tour Championship, and he won in the Tenerife Open, which was like a hit and giggle type thing that no one really cared about, you know, and, and even the, it wasn't really a strong event there either, so his wins or his best finishes have come in slightly weaker events. Obviously he finished sixth in Dubai, but I think that might actually cause a problem. It might, he might be kind of a little bit worn out from that. I don't know what the flight from Dubai to South Africa is like, but and I'm sure he's fine now with the money that he's kind of made, but yeah, I, I would oppose him at nine to one or eight to one because he doesn't have great form anyway. So yeah, I, I think you can take on some of these challenge tour guys at least. Yep. Yep. And, and there's not, because we don't have that's the one thing. So Tour Tips is the website you know you're talking yeah. about. Tour Tips does an excellent job because the Sunshine Tour has statistics. They yeah. have greens and regulation. They have driving distance, driving accuracy. It's not strokes gain, but you know they have at least a way that we can profile players, see their form of the way they're doing it. Um, you know, Fantasy National is, is is excellent. You know, it's it's everything we need on the PGA Tour side. But when you want to dive into the statistical analysis, you know beyond the PGA and then European tour, you know, Axis is posting his stuff on FTN. You know, you have the ability to dig into those numbers. You know, we're diving it, but tour tips aggregates those different websites. So we don't really know outside of form, how these challenge tour guys going to go after their game. They could be excellent player putters. They could be really long off the tee until we get a sample size of actual data. It's tough to profile them. So we can just go off of this form. When we talk about sunshine tour guys a little bit later on, like like Schaefer, like he is dialed in with his greens and regulation right now. We see that trending form and the stat form. He is up there, you know, each of the last like I think three or four events that he's had. So we at least know those guys, you know, on that level. I think that's a big edge to using that statistical research. Um, and then we can just kind of really dive into who's in, you know, the form that we want or the number that we want within that form. Yeah, absolutely. And I think as well, like you say, is one. We've had it before, like Lucas Beauregard in European Tour, right? When he when he played one of the ISPS hand, we had no idea what his straight game was, but we kind of had to make an idea of what he'd done and what he what let him down. And that's the same with challenge tour guys, right? And you have to read between the lines. And when you're just playing challenge tour guys against challenge tour guys, you know exactly what you're getting. When you start adding in Sunshine Tour and a few European Tour regulars, uh, you, you need to know what their baseline is like. But I think the guys that you've picked certainly on the list that I'm looking at now, 
um, and the ones that I kind of considered, I think we're pretty safe with those. It's um, like I say, it's good that Sunshine Soil got statistics, and and I think that they're definitely people to be considered. I just looked at the leaderboard just while you were talking there from last year, and we had Wilco Nineaver, Sean Norris, Brandon Stone, Bryce Eason, Yak Blauer, referenced earlier, all in the top ten. Neil Scheitekatz and Darren Pickett also yep. inside the top fifteen as well. Um, Shitekat, we could uh, that, that probably isn't his name. Um, we we can talk about later on. Um, but that that just goes to show. And then you look at fifteenth onwards. Basically, the top ten is just littered with home guys, right? And it's not. It's what you expect, but people that are betting first of all would go, oh, I don't really want to bet Sunshine Tour guys that they're making a step up. So just, just remember that when you're, you're building teams and, and making bets. And it's a long season there too. You know, it's obviously a year-long season. So the cumulative of that order of merit kind of gives us a longer look at who's the best players. However, there are some that are getting hot right now um, that, that are worth talking about. But um, go into your next selection here for us now. Yep. So my next selection is uh, Daniel Gavins. And, uh, you know, I, I tweeted out this morning, if, if guys saw that, um, I just love it. Like I, was, I was looking at it over the weekend and I fully expected, it's a bit like Luke List last week, which is always dangerous. Uh, I thought he was going to be half the price. And, and I don't know why I kind of thought that, because I guess it's recency bias. What he's done, his profile is still fairly weak in terms of a European tour professional. But he had a pretty impressive 2021, one ISPS hander. Sixth at the Dunhill Links, 11th at Valderrama, three really high quality, you know, finishes. And when you look at when he was at South Africa already in the year, he's seventh uh, in the Cape Town Open and 12th in Dimension Data Pro-Am, which is a pretty big event for them. And he started with a 73 when he finished seventh in that earlier event. Bit of a weaker field this week than, than what he's been playing in recently. And his strokes going approach numbers. He's first in the field over the past eight weeks, according to tour tips. Uh, he ranked first, seventh, and eleventh in three of those five starts. He's just been ball striking it really nicely, and and I think just based on what he's done in uh, in South Africa, is pretty impressive. Yeah, I'm absolutely on him. Still see him in eighties here in the states, uh, hundreds as of this morning um, for sure. Bet him, and I love recent form, of course, like really recent form. You see how good he was the last time out. Um, you know, his irons were lights out. He putted like he was, um, you know, blind but he still had a decent finish, um, you know, that week, but it was really led by TD Green. But, yeah, multiple, I mean, what, in his last six or seven events, three top 15s, top 20, you know, like, and then you that doesn't even include his victory on the European Tour. It just makes no sense from a pricing perspective when you have these guys that are littered below him that were really good on the Challenge Tour. Well, this guy was winning on the European Tour, sure, in, in a week field event, but he was also competing in bigger events too. So, yeah, he could have been up 40 to 1 and, and yeah, well I mean, within betting number. What do we, what stock do we put in a sixth place finish at Dunhill Links that had Danny Willett winning, Tommy Fleetwood, yeah. Shane Lowry, Tyrrell Hassan all in the top 10? You know, it, it that's a, it's a massive achievement, right? And a sixth in that is probably the equivalent of second or first in this. And 11th of Valderrama on a very tough golf course, which this is potentially going to be as well. Um, he never, never played a bad round. And like you say, even at that, when he was 44th last night in Dubai, uh, and he was putting like I would probably putt, um, with two gloves on, like Aaron Rye, he finished with a 66 on Sunday. And, you know, so his last golfing experience has been pretty good. He's had that week off, which I don't think is a bad thing. And, and I've got him ranked here at 14th best in terms of form over the last 15 weeks. Yep. Yep. I'm definitely in line with you there. 
Um, Mid-range is, again, really filled up with a lot of these all other good Challenge Tour players. I am super excited. We've talked about this guy a little bit for Yannick Paul to, to get on the European Tour again, our outlaw tour um, guy just 18 months ago for, for where he has gotten himself amazing. A um, little short for, for me still. You know, he's 70s. Uh, Santiago Tarioban is, you know, right in that range too, arguably was the best challenge tour player this past year, but I'm going to go with a golfer that I think has, um, a higher ceiling that, that just hasn't came to fruition. Um, you know, due to some injuries due to status being a little funky for a while, but Louis de Jaeger is just a really, really talented golfer. Um, we've seen it in his numbers when he's competed, on the European tour. I mean, you know, we saw him with, you know, it would have been apparently his best finish was the Kenya open, right? Wasn't that the one that Guido won in 19? Yeah. That Louis Diego finished second there would have been the best. You know, he, he has wins way in the past. Um, he won the, or, uh, all on the sunshine tour last one being in 2019, which would have been their PGA championship there. But he has just shown up in some big-time events with really good finishes over the time. And it's always kind of driven by really good ball striking, really good tee to green game. And he just fell off the map all of 2021. You know, he went from the, the last place finishes of, of kind of a 12-12 on the Canary Island swing to T30th, after that the British Masters, to nothing better than a T60 or T29 for forever, including miscuts in the challenge tour, you know, it just wasn't good. And then he shows up at the Alfred Dunhill links, misses the cut, goes to, to Malaraca, and he ends up finding some ball striking form. You know, the strokes game there um, weren't, you know, as accurate maybe potentially as it was, but off the tee, really, really good. Top five in that field approach, really, really good. Top five in that field, gaining over two strokes per round ball striking. And then he carries it over and plays well and ends up third at that PGA championship in which Burmeester won, you know, and that included a 74 in there, 68, 66, 74, 66. So I think it's just a blip of form that we're seeing out of Louis Dieger gets to show up at home in this event at a good number. I think his talent is way beyond a lot of guys in this range. And I will jump early on him at 66. He's just a guy, right? And for people that have followed European tour for, for, decade or, or longer even because he's not he's, no, he's not young um he's a guy that would just always turn up at the shawani open would yep. always turn up at you know like you mentioned earlier the kenya open uh you know any, anything that was in south africa or or, or a low grade event he would play well in and they, those are the kind of guys i think are worth targeting right you know he's a 66 one golfer and it's based on his lack of output in terms of wins on the european tour but we're not playing a European tour standard event, really. You know, that there's there's a few guys, right? That, you know, Dean Burmese that we've already spoken about, Fratelli, Veerman, Nine Aver, Langas, Coatsila, maybe Matthew Jordan, Brandon Stone. That there's probably what seven or eight guys, even Justin Harden, we haven't spoken about, that are that are, you know, really strong European tour regulars, Carol Mora. And then the rest are kind of middling. You know, Marcel Seam even's bounced back and forth. Justin Walters is someone that struggles to keep a golf card every year. So Really and truly, it is just another Sunshine Tour event for them, with a couple of, you know, um, you know, regular heads. So for me, I think it's a good price, uh, and certainly wouldn't put anyone off. Yep, um, that's just kind of the conclusion, drawing everything together. Um, Daniel Van Tonder, 
as we mentioned him two weeks ago, uh, he, he ended up playing like 6,100 on DraftKings. Yeah. Played all right um, in, in Dubai that last week. 66-1s uh, here. Old man Darren Fickard, 66 um, is here too. Uh, I have a couple other picks under 100-1. Uh, to one. Who else is uh, tickling your fancy here? Yeah, so my last definitive pick was uh, Oliver Wilson. And I just – it frustrated me because last year when we look back at the preview uh, – you know, of, of things I've done. He was 300 to one going into this week. And I don't actually know that his claims are that much stronger this week, but he's had that 11th and 12th place finish recently. Um, and that's obviously catapulted into the front of people's minds. He was third here behind Louis Ustazen in 2018 at South Africa Open. Uh, I'm trying to remember what he did last year, actually, but he, what did he do last year? 61st. So he did absolutely nothing last year, but He's just playing really well. And we know the upside of Oliver Wilson. He's, he's an incredible golfer. And we started off our show last year saying what Richard Bland wasn't in a golfer. Um, and I'm now scared to write anybody else off. But Oliver Wilson can definitely come back to what he was in the past. Uh, if he does that, he can certainly win this sort of field. Yeah. Um, he's somebody who definitely, when you look and do some, some mini, I mean, those two weeks that were really, really good. Um, I ended up, my next one would have been Frederick. LaCroix, like the the drink, right? LaCroix. Um, I think that's how I'm pronouncing it. Um, but I guess, is that not an international drink? I mean, also, also, LaCroix is like LaCroix. a, it would be like a bubbly water, like a flavored water. Give me a nod in the back uh, here. It's okay. Thank you, LaCroix. Okay. All right. So I, I'm confident in, in that answer, <laughs> but I'm also confident that his price doesn't align with uh, kind of that recent form. I mean, again, we mentioned these golfers, Marcus H, Santiago, you know, Van, uh, Yannick Paul, you know, all these guys that are in, um, you know, some good form. And they're all substantially shorter than LaCroix, who went four out of his last five events, finished inside of the top five. Um, so to have that available to you at 90 to one, I mean, his body of work on the season definitely is not the same. I mean, he had three second place finishes on the whole year, two of them coming in the last five weeks. You know, we only had three other top tens on the season. You know, three of those, you know, came in those five weeks there. So like the two others came in those five weeks. So like a good amount of his season all was at the end, but it means he's hot, you know, he, he's hot fire right now. You want to take advantage of that form. Um, you know, he had three wins in his professional career on the Alps tour all in 2019. So he had a really good year there. Uh, only played nine events in 2020 and then did much better in 2021. So I, I, I'm excited for that. And I was just elated to see the number versus that current form. That's, that's strictly what it is, is just he is in as good a form as anybody on the challenge tour, and he's double the number. Yeah, so another guy like that, very similar, agree with all those points. Um, Lucas Nemex, Nemex. Uh, I don't know exactly how to pronounce it. Yes. I think it's like Nemex, something like that, right? So. Again, you talk about LaCroix having three outs or wins. He won in 2017, 2019, 2020. And you talk about saving your best until last. He's had three second-place finishes on the Challenge Tour in 2021. Uh, and two of them came in his last six starts. And he also had a sixth-place finish in there as well. Uh, so going back to the Italian Challenge in July, he's had three second-place finishes in the sixth. So he's playing really, really well. Finished 18th in that Grand Tour final on the Challenge Tour. Um, you know... You would like to a little bit of a better finish than that, but he shot a 76 in the second round, but actually opened with a 65, which I think was probably 
yep, good enough to be leading with Espen Kostad. So, you know, kind of shit the bed a little bit, um, you know, in the second round, which is fine. That thing happens when, again, I don't know necessarily his background very much, but he's just been very, very solid. Second, second, sixth, 47th, 14th, miscut 18th, and that 18th should have been a lot better. Um, so it'd be interesting to see. I don't really know what type of golfer he is, right? And I don't even know how to pronounce his name. So once I can look beyond the form and once I see him in commentary, and even after the first round, right, you can make an assessment of what type of golfer they are. Uh, and maybe in play, that kind of helps. So I just thought that was one guy that I'd noticed earlier that kind of stuck up to, to Frederick Lecoria. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. um, the one other um, firm selection, I think under 101 for me, is you mentioned this earlier. Um, the Challenge Tour plays three events um, in South Africa during the, the start of their season. They do the, the combined Sunshine Tour sanctioned events. Um, so if you want to have a little bit of the location form, these guys have gotten exposed to the elements there. Um, I would say two golfers stood out to me of the bunch of the Challenge Tour graduates that played really well there. One was Craig Howie. Craig Howie had a really good three-week stretch. The other one was Oliver Becker. Oliver Becker in those events there, if we look through, so that would have been, um, you know, you mentioned the – Dementia Data, he finished yep. third there. Cape Town finished 25th there. And then the Limpopo, I love these names. Limpopo, <laughs> I'm in on that. Uh, T2 there. So finished, you know, three really strong events. His, his overall game, you know, has evolved really since those strong events. I mean, if you go into the way that he finished his season, that's the difference between Howie and him, in my opinion, yeah. is Becker finished, you know, 11th miscut, 20th, 7th, had a second not too long before that. Early on in that year in South Africa, it was a 9th, 6th, 15th, 5th, 2nd, 25th, 3rd, 5th, you know, before he started getting on the Challenge Tour. And, again, I don't follow that, that card all that well, but I'm rather confident he got onto the Challenge Tour because of those three events, because of those finishes, rolled it over into a card, now rolls it over into um, getting to play here. So in my opinion, there's enough there at 90 to one. Um, and he's, again, he's not a, uh, you know, young or been around just for a little bit. I mean, he's, you know, professional career started back in 2007 and a three win year in 2017 with, you know, those being in, in the sunshine tour. So, I think that Becker at 90s is just kind of a field play based off of the way he's performed. Yeah, and I think once you get down to this kind of range, there's just so many of those guys, right? You know, there was, I mentioned a guy earlier whose names I probably butchered in, in, in Shite Cat. That, that can't be his name because that, that just sounds really offensive. I'm not so, pronouncing it, so. No, I mean, let, let's just go with that. But he he was 70 to 1 and dropped right down to like 55 to 1 over here. So we weren't. You know, weren't too keen on him. Chase Hannah has played very well in South Africa in the past, and it was someone that we followed even on the European tour early in the season. I did wonder if you were going to go back to your Henny Duplessis guy with the you know the big big bush hat. Um, but um, no, Henny Duplessis and, and Thomas Aiken was another one. That he's a guy that we know has been tremendous. Um, had a lot of problems off the course uh, last year and the year before. Really, really devastating stuff that actually impacts his game quite significantly, which I think. Obviously terrible, obviously really, really hard to get over. Um, but when your golf suffers because of something like that and suddenly once all that's sort of dealt with, you can come back and, and you're playing well, that's a really good sign. Um, and he was always a European tour, a bit like Louis de Jaeger, that every time the European tour came back home, uh, he'd play really well. So those are a, a handful of names there that I thought were worth mentioning. Yep, yep. 
Um, I kind of have a little bit of a laundry list as we go through two. I was surprised, uh, first one, you didn't you didn't bring up Matteo Manassara um, getting a, a good event here. You know, he did show some life quite a bit um, to roll out the season. I think we're on DraftKings. Again, it's two, it's almost three o'clock Eastern time. They still don't have prices out. So um, not able to kind of deliver there. But he was one, I think, in, in okay um, recent form regarding it. Um, if I kept going through that, I think prices will be down. Just while you think about those, the only reason Matteo Manassero didn't come up for me was when I looked back, I was kind of just searching because he's a guy that, you know, a lot of these South African Sunshine Tour players, Challenge Tour players, it's very obvious on their OWGR whether they've played really, really well in South Africa. Like, it's a top finish, right? And I thought with Manassero, like, oh, there's nothing from South Africa. But that's because he's won four times European Tour. He's played really well in like, majors in the past. So I just, you know, I'm going to have to go for a year by year and when I started going year by year, I was like, God, this is frightening. Like he's been terrible for a lot longer than I realized. And then I started going right back to when he was a really good golfer. Uh, and there was really nothing in South Africa, right? Like he never felt the need to kind of go down there. Uh, never, never played that often when he did, it wasn't successful. I think he played in Ned Bank, didn't really do much. So for me, that was kind of the only negative. Like, I think once he gets back to mainland Europe and, and things like that, he'll be, he'll be a big threat and hopefully it'll be a bigger price because he's struggled here. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Um, I thought Jesper Kennegard was in a yep. decent amount of form. Um, he's somebody I'm definitely going to be playing on DraftKings. I'd imagine he comes in low sevens, high sixes, maybe even cheaper. He's 250 to one, um, but he had top 25s in five of the last six events, um, seven of his last 10 events, I think it was. Um, him, Andrew Wilson has come in really hot from the challenge tour, but then we get into, um, no, I guess I'll stick with one other guy that played on the European tour, um, who we mentioned, who I'm rather confident we would have cashed a ticket on had he not withdrawn. Bobby Bay is back in the field. Zhang K Bay, if he's, you know, some different, uh, spots, he is 200 to one. That means he's going to be cheap on DraftKings. Has a lot of upside play in the Corn Ferry Tour. It's good finishes there. Um, he's somebody I'm into. Um, but then if you kind of, again, dial in um, into some of the statistical form of golfers that have played on the Sunshine Tour in the lead-up, um, you mentioned Neil, Neil S. Um, I'm not going to, again, but he, he's hopefully mid-sevens from price range there. Um Trevor Fisher popped in like the last time out for him. Um, Fisher was. Uh, but the one that I really, really wanted to talk about was Peter Molman. Um, Peter Molman was statistically trending on the, the things that we like to see. Greens and regulation was lights out when he finished second at that PGA championship. Again, that's the best event that they're going to have all year long. Um, so I finished second there, and it was four rounds in the 60s, 69, 69, 69, 66. He couldn't pull off the nice Dean Burmeester that he had in Dubai, but he had to go a little bit lower um, on that Sunday. Um, but, you know, 26, 17, uh, right before that. But trending statistically in each of those times, um, again, he's been around quite a lot. Um, got on the professional tour, you know, 2012 as early as that. Has no wins to his name, so I'm only going to suggest it. 300 to one, it's probably going to be more of like a, a T20 bet. Um, you know, play him a, a decent clip in DraftKings. But he was my pick of the litter down there. Aki Shridham was another one statistically. S 
S-T-R-Y-D-O-M, that stood out a little bit, um, again, with some of these trending statistics. Um, for me, that's really what Steve Surrey was good in his last event. He kind of goes on and off. I believe Steve Surrey played really well here last time too, right? Okay, so that was the guy that was going to come on to. And he is a he is the epitome of a journeyman golfer and someone yeah. that may actually be getting good as he gets older, which is, you know, bizarre, right? But, you know, he's fourth last time at the PGA Championship. Then he missed two cuts before that. Then he was third at the Vodacom Origins of Golf. Missed the cut again. Then he was ninth. Then he was seventh on the Euro Pro Tour. And he just keeps going like that. Seventh, ninth, missed cut, third, missed cut, missed cut, fourth. Like, if he makes the weekend, he's brilliant. And, yeah, that fourth place finish here last year was a lot. You know, it's it's uh, it's a really impressive performance because not only did he shoot 66, 67 over the weekend in, in decent company, it was only really the 71 in the round two that cost him. And when you look at, you always wonder whether they are terrible under pressure. And if they take massive steps back on a Sunday, then you know not to bet them for a win market, right? Um, but he was impressive all week, just barring one round, which anything could have happened. Like he had a, a foul ball. We could have, I, I have no idea. He could have woken up and had dodgy breakfast on you know Thursday or dodgy dinner on Thursday night. I've got no idea what could have happened to Steve Surrey there. So I think he's certainly, I think, more of a top 10, top 20, even a, a DraftKings play. Um, the other one I, I was going to mention was, was Jack Blau from, from last year that I put in here. So he was, you know, as I said, he was second, fourth, and sixth going into the event. He shot 66, 63 uh, the first two days to kind of be right up there. I think he may have been leading. I was really excited. And then he shot 73 on Saturday and 70 on Sunday. Uh, that is the kind of epitome of someone that hasn't won a lot of golf. Um, but I, I just think that he could do he could do a job. Like he's the guy that could just go up there and on your drafting scenes, finish twentieth, finish fifteenth, whatever. Lorenzo Scalise or Scalise, I never know how to pronounce that name. He could be out there in the top twenty uh, market as well. But other than that, there was just such a hot. I mean, I've mentioned a lot of names now. Um, that's why I kind of wanted just to stick to those three core picks. That I picked the betting uh, element. Um, and even like people like Oliver Farr, like there's a load of names. That I think you can really differentiate on lineups and when the pricing comes out maybe we can chuck up a few of our favorites in the comments or on twitter or something like that but it, it, it's hard without the pricing out yeah the the last one that i would mention is a uh, thousand to one darts this means that he is going to be I, i'm not betting and i'm, I'm only i'm yeah it should be obvious because you can you, but the thing is you can't obvious because it's you and i we know who it is who this there's only one way to find this and it's nowhere on OWGR. So tell me, tell me, is the guy considered a, would he be able to collect social security? Do you have that overseas? <laughs> no, so that is, that's not, it's not. Ooh, okay, I know who you think I'm going to say then. Then okay. he's opposite. You think I'm going to say Jovan Ribula. You think is that no, what I'm going to say? No, that's not you what I think Do you know who that is though? Yeah, wasn't he a good? Er, he's Ernie's nephew. I think he's yeah. Ernie's nephew. Yeah, yeah. That's so, not so, that's not the guy I was thinking though. You go okay. first. I'm making so you the guy go. I thought you were going to say was James Kingston. Yes. So okay. I think he's doing this on whatever the older the 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 Legends Tour. I think it's yeah. called the Legends Tour over it's there, Legends right? Tour, yeah. So, so, so okay. So collecting Social Security here in the states means you're very elderly. 
So I'm oh, assuming okay. this guy so is, I thought is it was old. Like evading taxes. I oh was... well, I can't speak to James Kingston, thought, so we potentially he's in. both. He might be both. That he might need these wins if he's if he's out here. Um, but yes, James Kingston is lighting up the the. I think he's the Legends Tour is, is. where he's doing yeah, these finishes. It's the European Tour Legends Tour. Yeah. Okay, so he's got first twenty eighth, third eighth, third sixth. Is horrendous to call it the Legends Tour because we've got the Champions Tour on on the American side of things that they are champions, right? They're not legends, they're champions. So when Phil Mickelson goes over, he's a legend. When Stephen Alker, who's been absolutely brilliant, goes on to say he wasn't a legend in his time, right? Paul Broadhurst, who's brilliant as a senior, is a legend in the seniors. He was rubbish for the European Tour. James Kingston, pretty much the same thing, apart from when he comes over to or plays in South Africa. Yeah, I mean, if you looked at his OWGR, the last time I think you see him is a long time ago. Um, let's see, because he doesn't gain anything yet. I guess he missed he missed all three cuts in the combined events of the three. So the last time you see him with a top ten um, is 2016. He had one win in 2013, um, but. When you just look at the form, you see he's played there. So am I going to place him at 6,100? Probably when that's his price, if, if even though that's a very... The guy that he beat by one stroke for his first of two European Tour victories, and he's been mentioned on this show. He is a good golfer. I, I don't know what I'll give you, but I'll give you something at some point. Um, I'll give one guess, and I'll say Marcel Seen. It was not. It was Oliver Wilson. It was Oliver Ooh, Wilson's first chance to win on the European Tour, one of the first times, and he beat him by one stroke. And the second person he beat was Anders Hansen. So he's got a, a great record. He's lost in a playoff to Dara Fickart, the Qatar Masters. So he was pretty steady. He's got four uh, Asian Tour wins. But yeah, like you say, I mean, Social Security, he could be effectively... He's older than my dad. So that's how okay. old James Kingston is. Um, so I think we know. have to end it at that point. There's, yeah. there's, we're off the rails. We yeah. are completely off the rails. But I'm glad, so, I'm glad that we we aligned with that pick. That's quite yes. surprising. All right, so uh, let's go through your card here. Oh yeah, so I've got to remember what I was doing. Uh, so my first person was Jaden Scaper, who I don't know if he's dropped the tray, but if he has, then that's pretty cool. Uh, next up was Daniel Gavins, and then Oliver Wilson as well for me. Um, I've purposely not mentioned the prices because they. You know, changed an awful lot. They've been quite volatile today. Um, but whatever they were on the board and whatever we put up earlier, they had a pick that we're going for. Yep. I am um, with you with Jaden Scaper there. I'm on Marcus Pelinkini, uh, 45 to 1. Louis Dieger, 66s. Daniel Gavins with you, 80. Frederick LaCroix, 90. Oliver Becker, 90. And then I'm hoping to find Peter Moolman, nice little top 20, uh, maybe at least plus 1,000 or above. Would love. Um, you know, double digits there, but that does it for our first week of the DP World Tour picks and bets. I said it right. You can find us uh, if you prefer the audio formats um, anywhere. Daily Fantasy Sports picks and bets. The mix will be going up there. But here's to kick it off our new year. Um, so best of luck, Tom, and we'll see you guys all in the comments.